Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you. We're here studying... Uh... Okay. No, you're good. You're good. We're here studying the book of James, and we're in chapter 2 again. And chapter 2 of James, beginning verse 10 and 11, 12 and 13, gives us... Uh, it gives us... Well, it's like a parenthesis, or sort of like... James is drilling down this argument. And I'm going to read the four verses and then we'll just kind of talk about it. So starting verse 10 of chapter 2, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill you are become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and so do, as they who shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, who has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Oh, thanks, Lord, for these verses. Thank you, God, that mercy rejoices over and against judgment. Thank you that uh, James is convicting us to be humble and to hear the word of the Lord and be convicted in Jesus' name. Amen. So, James is trying to help the people understand. Remember, he's writing to Jewish Christians, early church, you know, 40s, probably in the, you know, the, the fourth decade. 45 A.D. or so, somewhere in there. And he's trying to help them understand that it's vitally important that in the kingdom of God, we treat others equally no matter their earthly social status or if they have a physical condition or a mental impairment. And Pastor Rick talked about that, whatever the, whatever the race is, uh, all of those things. And, and James is trying to help us see that uh, we, we have to treat people equally. Okay, so that, that, that was yesterday's Bible study, the last couple ones. I think Pastor Gene on Thursday last week did some of that, and, and, and Pastor Frank, and then Pastor Rick yesterday. So we've had, had about three lessons on that. And then in verse... 10, he begins, he continues the argument, but he, but it's actually, he's drilling down deeper into them. Because up until verse 9, he's just sort of talking about their behavior. But then in verse 10, he begins to drill down into, the, into them because there's an underlying argument, there's an underlying conviction that James is trying to bring into the people to help them understand why they're behaving this way. And it's really because they are oblivious to their own sinfulness. Okay, that, that's really what it is. Because he says here, uh, listen, you're, you are lawbreakers. Don't, don't somehow try to fool yourself into thinking that, that, uh, that you're, you're, you're good, that you're not breaking the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, because you are breaking that commandment. And so you are breaking the law. And so this idea that you're treating others with more favoritism then some is, a, is against the law of God. It's not from God. It's, it's, it's against uh, who God is. 
And, and so when, when you do that, you're a lawbreaker. But see, the, the, the Christians there are, are trying to convince themselves that uh, because they keep these laws, then they're okay. And James is saying, no, you can't do it that way. And so what is he saying? Well, he's saying that they're justifying themselves in their own minds. And so what they're beginning to do is segment the law, okay, and elevate certain laws to, in their own minds that if I obey these laws and I feel good about myself, then God's happy with me, okay, because these laws are more important. And so we become... We become the judge of the law. We begin to decide which laws are more important. And then, oh, what do you know? The more important ones are the ones that we don't have a problem doing it. (laughs) That's called self-justification. That's called looking at your life and seeing where you don't have any struggles and saying, well, those are the more important laws and I keep those. These other ones aren't as important. So if I break them, it... it, it, Whoa, hold on. And, And so James... Brings you brings it back and he says, "Listen, the way you're the, the reason you're thinking that way is because you don't understand the law, and you're just trying to make yourself feel good." Woo! Now listen, James had a lot of influence with Paul. If you remember in in Acts 15, Paul Paul comes to Jerusalem, and he spends some time there, and he meets with James. Now, so, because you you have reflected in these verses here a lot of Paul's teaching, so so the book when you read the book of James, you will find the book of James is reflected in Paul's teaching. A lot of it. So, for instance, Romans chapter three. Let's just read a couple verses out of there. Romans chapter three. It says here. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? That's the ending of a, of a longer passage where in verse 9, Paul starts talking about it and he quotes Psalm 14. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seek after God, Jew and Gentile alike. All are unrighteous standing before the throne. Because if you break one law, you've broken them all. You see, the, the, the law came out of the heart of God. All of the law of the Old Testament originated from the same being, from God. And so if all the laws came from the heart of God, then only God is able to ascribe a certain value to laws. We, we, we don't have that authority. And so the idea that, that uh, you sort of pick and choose and segment the law in your mind and, and then start to follow the laws that you think are good or that you like or that are easy for you and then ignore the ways that you're failing in the other ones, you know, you're really fooling yourself. That's what James is saying to them. Now, if we're honest, we all do that. Honestly. All of us sort of go through this process of self-evaluation, and most of the, mo- many of the, much of the time, 
we come up with, well, I'm not that bad. <laughs> You're right. And there's some people who really have low self-esteem and they are down on themselves and they're so rejected that they assimilate that. I'm terrible, I'm horrible, I'm no good. You know, and, and that's a different thing. But James is writing to those who sort of, they're treating others poorly, but because they follow certain other laws, they make themselves feel good. And James is saying, y'all are just fooling yourselves. You're all lawbreakers. In other words, you know, these poor people that come into your community or, or, these, or these black people who show up to a church that's pr- primarily white or, or you know, the, the Mexicans who are trying to come here to make some money, the idea that, you're, that in your mind that somehow you're better than them, man, you're just fooling yourself. We all stand unrighteous before the throne. Every single one of us. Desperately in need of Jesus. And so that's what James is saying is, is, is we need to appropriate that to our own selves so that when we see somebody that in this world defines as lesser, that we could see in the kingdom they are equal to us. That, because that Jesus is the great equalizer. There's no one that is righteous. So you see that... Uh, you see that in Paul's teaching. Remember, James influenced Paul significantly. So then we go to Proverbs. Let's, let's, and this is just a, a proverb, as, as we uh, have talked about before. James kind of reads, a lot of his reads like Proverbs. And here's a proverb here. The foolishness of man perverts his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. In other words, uh, what that means is that another translation says, by your own foolishness, you mess up your life and then you blame God for it. Okay? Self-justification. Not being willing to sort of humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I got, I've got nothing. I'm desperately in need of Jesus. You know? Okay? Let's look... To another one here. Um, well, so yeah, James is bearing on them the truth that their sin is actually worse than they are willing to confess. So that is a that that is a discipleship process of becoming aware that really I'm not aware of how deep my sin is. That's a discipleship process. Allowing the Holy Spirit to bring you to a point to where you confess, God, I really am not even fully aware of the depth of my own sins. Um, we find that in, uh, in Leviticus. Way back even in Leviticus, in chapter 4, okay, talking about the sin offering. And we studied this uh, months ago, we, or, or la- it was last year sometime, we did a whole series on Leviticus. And, and in chapter 4, talking about the sin offering, this is the beginning of Leviticus where Moses is establishing the sacrificial system and the, the, fi- <coughs> excuse me, the five main sacrifices. 
Let me get a sip of water here. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, and this is starting verse 1 of chapter 4, Leviticus, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord. In other words, you, all of us sin and don't even know it. Okay? If any sins through ignorance, all of us have sins and we don't even know that we have the sins. So our sin is deeper than we are even aware. And then you've got to come to that point to just say, Jesus, I don't even know how sinful I am. All I know is that they're all paid on the cross. And I've got nothing against anybody. I, I can't sit here and say I'm better than anybody. I desperately need Jesus. <clears throat> so, verse 11. <clears throat> well, we talked about that. Okay, we're all sinners. So then he moves the argument to verse 12, saying, So speak ye, and so do. In other words, in other words, what we say has got to match what we do. Okay, If we're going to say that I'm under grace, then I have to live a life that is full of grace. Okay, If I'm going to say that I'm under grace, then I have to live a life that is under grace. So speak ye and so do as they who shall be judged by the law of liberty. Oh, the law of liberty. Now that now we're talking about being judged for one, and then we're talking about the law of liberty. So so James introduces this concept of judgment. Oh. Now that 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 should cause us to stop a minute. <clears throat> and face the concept that there will be a judgment. There, there will be a judgment, and we're all going to be there. We're, we're all going to be there standing before the judgment seat. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Let's go find that real quick if you have your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So James, in verse 12, brings in the concept of judgment. And what I think James is trying to do is bring a sobering moment to the Christians to say, listen, you can't forget that uh, you're going to be judged one day as they who shall be judged by the law of liberty. But, see, the judgment that we're going to face, in other words, standing before the throne, standing before the judgment seat of Christ, it does not have to be something that we're afraid of. And that's what James is saying. You see, what he's saying is, we're going to be judged by the law of liberty. We will be judged by the law of the Spirit of life. Now that concept, as I said earlier, uh, James, James influenced Paul. And you, if, if you read through Paul, if you read the book of James and then you read Paul, you're going you're gonna to find a lot of reflections in there. And Paul has his own language, and, and, he's, and he's a lot more wordy in the way he says it. But there's a lot of stuff in there. For instance, Romans chapter 8, right? 
you're going to get this same idea as the law of liberty. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, right? One of, our, one of the most famous chapters uh, in the New Testament. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, there it is. Okay, the same, same idea as the law of liberty from James, the law of the Spirit of life. In Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And so James is, is he's doing the same thing, really, that Paul was trying to do, is get them out of this, this sort of legalistic idea and trying to justify themselves in their own minds based on, you know, they think they're a good person or whatever. And say, no, no one is righteous. You're a lawbreaker. But, but, but we don't have to be afraid of that. See, we're all equal in the kingdom, and we're all going to stand before the judgment seat. And so when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, what are we going to say? Are we going to, are we going to look to the left? See, I'm going to be standing there with Rick and Emily. And I better not stand up there and say, well, Lord, you know, I know I had a few sins, but you know, I think Emily had more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, we, we can't. That's not going to work in the, in the judgment seat of Christ. See, that, that's the law of sin and death judgment. Because in that moment, the Lord will look at me and say, John, John, you don't even understand how deep your sin goes. How could you possibly stand here before me and try to justify yourself? It doesn't work. See, the law of liberty says that everyone who comes to Jesus Christ and proclaims the cross will be set free. Man, there are churches today who are taking the cross out because they think it offends people. They are removing any symbol of the cross. <clears throat> and, uh, and I tell you, there, there won't be conviction. There, there, there might be social hour. You know? There, there, there might be business hour where people, you know, go and pass out business cards. But, but there won't be conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you can't have conviction of the Holy Spirit without the cross because at the cross is where our sins are taken care of. At the cross is where we come and realize that we desperately need a Savior and that we can't pay for our, our own sins. And so James is trying to get, get, get the Jewish community here who are treating others poorly to say, listen, you can't do that. And you can't, you can't somehow treat people this way and then be convinced in your own minds that you that you can be made right towards God. You have to confess, I am a lawbreaker, God. I have I have trouble treating others well. God, I, I need help doing that. Now that type of approach is a law of liberty, because you're simply confessing to God that you that they, that in your own willpower there's sins that, that you haven't overcome yet. And that you that you need some help doing it. Oh, and that's when the Holy Spirit of God comes in. and Bam, that's the law. That's, that's the liberty. That's the law of the Spirit of life. That's being set free. So that's Romans there, 8. The same concept we find. <clears throat> uh, let's read Galatians 3, 10 to 14 as well, just as a supporting verse. I'm trying to bring in some verses here that... Uh, just, just to kind of show that James, James's, James's book, even though it's unique, is 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 definitely 
a book that uh, should that belongs in the Bible. <clears throat> for as for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Okay, so if you're going to live by the law, be careful now, right? <clears throat> as many are under the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. All things. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Faith in Jesus and the cross. Faith. Believe that God covers your sins. You can't pay for your own. You can't... Because you've got to keep the whole law. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. And the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, <clears throat> that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? So you see in there that same concept that James, the book of James was written before Paul's books. And Paul was there. It's interesting. Just... Study a little bit of that history. It doesn't take much. You don't spend hours in history books, but kind of get the get the idea of how of how that works. You'll you'll start to see it. So then it says, "For he shall have judgment without mercy, who has shown no mercy." Now that's straight out of the teachings of Jesus, is it not? Matthew eighteen, and it's a long passage, so we won't read the whole thing. But Matthew eighteen, that's that's this is one of the passages that we teach. Um, on our trips, if you go on a trip with us to uh, to Brazil or something like that, uh, we teach this passage on the relational side of ministry and the idea that you have to learn how to forgive others in this life because unforgiveness and and holding grudges against others blocks the forgiveness of God from being released in your life and for you to be able to experience the joy of the Lord and and the peace of God. And, and, and it prevents you from, from being able to have healthy, meaningful relationships. And so, beginning at verse 21, it goes all the way to verse 35. Jesus tells a story about a man who comes to, to uh, a ruler who owed him a lot of money. And, and the ruler said, you pay, me, pay me what you owe me. And the man said, please, just give me a little more time. Please. And, and the, the man said, okay. Okay, you can have it. So, so the guy leaves. And then he, he finds somebody who owes him just a little bit. And he says to him, hey, can you give me a little more time? The man says, no way. Throws him in jail. So then the ruler hears about it, comes find the guy and says, man, I can't believe you treat somebody that way. Puts him in jail and says, you're going to stay there until you pay me everything that you owe me. And then at the very last verse, it says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if from your hearts... If you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses. In other words, the mercy that we will receive is going to be equal to the amount of mercy we're able to give. Oh, my goodness. Please, God, help me to learn how to give a whole lot of mercy in this lifetime. Now, that will totally transform your approach to life. Because... You know, James is trying to, he brings in judgment. He says, look, you're going to be judged. So he's trying to help them think, not just about what's in front of them right now, 
But he's trying to help them think about eternity. Eternity and that there's a God in heaven who's full of grace and mercy and truth. He's trying to help them to change their perspective so that they, what they're seeing is not only their circumstances or, the, or, or what they're thinking about right in front of them, but He's trying to give them an eternal perspective. That there's a God in heaven full of grace and mercy. Okay? How, but there, there is a requirement that we live a life, or at least try to, or ask God to help us, live a life full of mercy towards others. And to the degree that we could do that, we will receive mercy from God. And so it's a very important thing to ask yourself, am I living my life with mercy in my heart towards others? Or am I finding fault and picking apart? And, and am I holding grudges? Am I remembering the past 10, 20 years as if it happened yesterday? And, and constantly in my mind ruminating and... and being harsh towards that person in my heart. Okay? And that's not to say that we, we won't struggle with the emotions of it. Okay? Don't, don't get me wrong or be condemned here. You know, and, 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 and go up and down. But are, are we willing? Are we trying to find mercy? Are we, are we working towards it? Is our heart willing to begin to work that out and, and live and, towards forgiveness and move towards forgiveness? And not hold on to the offense. I had another page of notes here. I wanted to flip before I run out of time because I'm about to. So, um, Matthew 5, 7. One of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, that, that's straight out. I mean, the, the teaching of James is straight from the mouth of Jesus. He's not making it up. He heard it. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So now your prayer becomes, God, uh, I, I want mercy. I, I don't want to stand before you and, and have you look at me and, and say, John, you, you didn't show people mercy in your life. You, you weren't a forgiving person. I want, I want God to say, look, John, you didn't do it perfect, but man, I saw you trying. <laughs> so then I, I begin to say, okay, Lord, help me think eternally about this. I need to live a life full of mercy. Where am I failing? Help me, God, please. I want to be standing before the throne and you say, your sins are covered by the blood. John, you, you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You tried your best to forgive others and not hold a grudge. You, you tried to honor me and everything you did. And I mean, gosh, think about the eternal significance of how you treat others and, and having mercy in your heart. But really, the question is not this. Like, James, I think, is presenting it, for he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown mercy, but mercy rejoices against judgment. If you flip it the other way around, it's, if you really believe that God has forgiven all your sins, to the degree that you really have come to that place where you realize what it took for Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to that degree you will be able to 
walk in forgiveness and mercy towards others. And so when we try to justify ourselves before God, that's what he's saying in the beginning. Like, listen, you're a lawbreaker. doesn't matter how many laws you broke. You've got to come to a place where you confess you're a lawbreaker. And you need forgiveness. You need the cross. So the degree to which you come to that place and just throw yourself at the mercy of God and realize how desperately you need His mercy, then you'll be able to live out the mercy. But if you justify yourself before God, then you're not depending on the mercy of God, and so you won't have any mercy to give to others. So what do you do? You simply come to God every day. You say, God, I don't know what today holds, but I'm a lawbreaker. But thanks be to God that I have received mercy through the cross of Jesus Christ. I walk today in the law of the Spirit of life. I don't walk today as a condemned person, as a condemned woman of God, as a condemned man of God, as a condemned child of God. I walk today forgiven, free of all my sins. And so because of that, I want to walk in mercy towards others. I don't want to walk around thinking I'm better than other people or, or treating this person or that person you know, better because I think somehow I can you know, gain some favor from them. That's not of God. I can't do that, Lord. Help me, God, to treat others with mercy because you've treated me with so much mercy. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Well, if that's you today, I want you to know that you're under the mercy of God. Mercy is triumphing, is rejoicing. Mercy is winning in your life. And you're a winner in the mercy of God today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning for another Bible study out of the book of James. God bless you. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver